Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. The End of Time and Other Bothers. A retrospective of Arc 1. Hey everyone, welcome to The End of Time and Other Bothers, a special episode where we are going to be sharing some of our favorite moments from the first arc, we're calling it, as we're about to enter the second arc. Around the table, first I have myself, Sean, I guess I'm the GM, and what you might call the GM, but uh, again, we don't really play strictly tabletop, this is all improv. Uh, to my left. Marisa, I play Darcy. Across from me. Carter, I play Blatt, but... We play a bunch of other minor characters as well. You all do. Everyone here plays NPCs. And on my right... Mike and I play Egerton. And on the soundboard... It's Eli. Okay, so Marisa, it was your idea. Why don't you explain it? I thought that we would go around the table and talk about some of our favorite moments of the first and second season? First season? First I don't season. know. First arc. Do I we like have seasons? It. I don't think we have seasons. Uh, we I have think arcs. we sort of had seasons. If we started out with new characters, I think I'd sort of call that season two. I don't know. This is the second arc. It's the second arc. Yeah. So for those people joining who maybe want to start without having to listen to 40 episodes or 37. I don't know if this will make any sense to you. But we thought, hey, let's do a recap of the arcs, the arc so far um, that got us to here. So for those of you joining just right now, uh, we are technically playing a game called Dungeon World. But you don't have to know anything about tabletop role-playing games because mostly what we're going to be doing is comedy improv where we are creating characters on the fly and just supporting each other in this crazy story we're telling. So what's an early memory of an episode that stands out as either enjoyable or important? Well, I think that uh, Blatt's opening scene was a really fun one, how we introduced that character down in the boiler room, I want to say. Yes. Next to the furnace room. It's the filing room next to the furnace. Howdy ho, go for Blatt. <laughs> uh, Blatt, uh, we seem to have a problem that we don't have the correct files from that accident case last week. Oh, no, I think I should have gotten that by now. Do you have a name for it? Well, no, if I had the name, then I would have the file. Makes finding the file a bit more difficult. I'll see if it's this one. No, it's not this one. <laughs> Maybe the one below it. Uh, I No, I just got these last night, so I don't think these would be them. It, it, yeah, it's from last week. It was the explosion. The explo- Oh, right. Now, did I file that under E for explosion or D for devastating explosion? No, no, just I, just give me a minute, please. No, no, don't. Oh. It's our old music. Boom, boom, <laughs> boom, boom, Can't believe I'm on hold. I don't have time for this. Actually, it was in another section of E. It was under extremely devastating explosion, but I have it here, yes. Boy, it's a thick one. <sighs> Uh, I need that right away. Send that up to floor D7392. D7. Three. Three. Nine, two. Nine. Two. Two. 
Yeah, I need that rushed. I'll pneumatic tube it up, sir. Very well, thank you. And that's a good day from Blatt. Long live Boltius. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite part of that whole thing, um, aside from getting to play the phone calls, which was completely improvised, was the elevator scene with the sandwich. Um, Just the way that all went down towards the end. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I also enjoyed Gopher Blatt. Uh, well, like I remember sitting in this very same chair that I'm sitting in now at this table to record that scene and I hadn't played a role-playing game in decades and I had heard a couple of episodes of The Adventure Zone just to figure out, okay, what is this thing that Sean's asking us to do? Heard a couple of episodes and thought, okay, I know how to do this, I guess. But sitting here with you, sitting across from me, same spot, doing that first bit, it felt like a game of chicken. Like, all right, I'm just going to start doing this. And no one said no at any point. No one stopped anything. We just kept going and going and going. And it got sillier and sillier. Pneumatic tubes and sandwiches and elevators and just stupidity really and i thought oh are we doing it is this the thing okay (laughs) um i have one we were recording a scene and we realized i realized we needed another 10 minutes we were short it was gonna be a really short episode like 30 minutes instead of the 45 we're aiming for so i basically started a scene but i said to the table okay, we need to riff. We need to do 10 minutes, but not introduce anything new because we'd already established, we'd finished recording. So we established the journey and the thing. And I was like, we have to insert 10 minutes somewhere. And so we just, I I think I painted the picture that you guys were walking on your way to the tree or away from the tree. (laughs) (laughs) And Egerton began one of my favorite bits ever, which was, I think there's something in my shoe. That. Other than your foot, what could there possibly be in your shoe? Like a stolen or something? I don't know, it's kind of pokey. Well, all right, just stop for a second and take it out. Everybody, hold party, shoe inspection. Oh, no, it's all good. Shoe back on, let's move forward, party. Okay, let's go. Moving forward. Oh, it's still, there's still something pokey. I don't, okay, everyone hold. Wait a second. Stopping. Take my shoe off, and this time I'm going to take my sock off. No, there's nothing there. I don't get it. Oh, well. Party forward. Here we go. Now my other foot hurts. (sighs) Do you want to check your other shoe? No, no, I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure it's nothing. All right, very good. You know what? I think we probably should, though, because it'll bother me if I don't check it, and it turns out to be something, and... I mean, you only get a little infection in the bottom of your foot when you're walking for a long time, and then it'll slow everyone down later. So it's probably better time management-wise if we stop now and I take a look. Time management-wise, you could have checked four times during that sentence. Just check your okay, shoe. Okay, okay. Party hold. No, there's nothing in there. That's so funny. I guess, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's what, what, what is it when you think there's something wrong and then there's Psychosomatic. Is, yeah, psychosomatic stone in my shoe. That's what it is. Yeah, psychosomatic stone in my shoe. Let's go. It's Let's PSS. keep walking. Okay, okay, here we go. Party forward. Are those even your shoes? Oh, wait. You know, these aren't my shoes. What? 
Yeah, no, my, my shoes are a different color than this. These uh, aren't my shoes. These are Joe's shoes. You're wearing Joe's shoes. I, I think you're... You, well, Who else has a memory they want to bring up? I wrote down one thought that I really enjoyed, and it goes back in order to when the characters were training, and we all had to run our little gauntlets of things. Um, I enjoyed mine, and I'm very proud. I think this is where I peaked. The room lights up, and you are in a royal cathedral. And light is coming down out of one point way, way up and coming right down on a stone that has a sword coming out of it. Neat. Okay, so your first test is ready. You uh, just need to draw the sword. Okay. So I take out my notebook and I sit down cross-legged with one of my pencils. Hold up my hands to try and get some perspective measurements and start sketching. And, you know, I was never very good at drawing, but I, I thought that it was something I should probably practice anyway. And you'll see sometimes in my notebooks, if you go through them, little sketches of things. You Mostly it's the building. outside, you hear a... I think it was also the first time when uh, someone sang a, a bit of incidental music and I got to accompany that. Hmm. That was also when Blatt had the uh, grocery shopping. Oh, well, the, um, the goblin cart. The um, yeah. Uh, what do you call that? Oh, one? that was one of my favorite moments. The shopping spree. Yeah, shopping spree. I had modeled it off one of those shows, right? That, the what, grocery was, one. Was that actually an American game show or was that yes. Canadian? Ooh, I'm not sure. Know. Well, they it don't have been, goblins well, what, in either. When, <laughs> when would Sean have gr- grown up with a Canadian Low budget game show like well, that. Like, this is it? something I've seen recently. Like in the last few years, oh. I saw it on television. Oh. And it this is what has I saw from. Canadian. Just, just to let the, the audience know, there's a real difference between an American game show and a Canadian game show. An American game show is high budget. It's exciting, and you could potentially win millions, millions, hundreds of thousands of dollars at least. A Canadian game show is on a set that your grandfather built, and you maybe, on a good day, could leave with a thousand bucks. Or there was this one show where they didn't even have to build a set because they just filmed it in an actual grocery store. <laughs> I remember. So this is Canadian because right? I remember this yeah. from the 90s. And so okay, there's so. all these people lined up with carts, and they have so many minutes yep. to go and get the thing. But then I now remember the one I saw was actually a cooking show. So the chefs have to cook a meal. They're told what it is. And then they're only given like 90 seconds to get all the ingredients. And invariably, they miss a couple ingredients because they're racing and bumping into each other trying to grab stuff off the shelf. And then there's like these little little mini kitchens like set up. It's the the cake making show. It's the one we watch. And they have to cook something. So that's what I stole from. So this episode you're about to hear was me trying to introduce this. Except it involved goblins. I quickly begin to follow one of the uh, goblin carts, not knowing what in this area is worth anything at all, just to see what they're doing. Okay, you see like one of the goblins, and he grabs something from a vendor and throws it in the cart, and another one basically rams the guy in first place, and he screams, and that their carts get all tangled up, and there's just one cart now in front of you, and he's like racing towards this one booth. I pick up my cart, and I begin racing towards the first booth. Picking up? So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. Racing towards uh, the uh, goblin heading to the one stall, and when I get to him, I ignore all of the merchandise, I pick the goblin up, and I place him inside the cart. 
Okay, roll defy danger. Eight. Okay, so you can grab the goblin, but you you'd have to let go of the car. Like like you can grab the goblin, but the other guys are like getting back up and they're gonna pass you. Okay, so I pick up the goblin and they race past, and I immediately run after the last car to see if I can grab onto it. Okay, so you're just carrying the goblin without your cart. Yes. Okay. Yes. The goblin's like, hey, hey, hey! He's like still trying to grab things from passing vendors <laughs> and trying to like hold on to them. Hey, no! What are you doing? I allow him to grab stuff. Fine. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Technically, this is mine. Carter, what's your memory? I remember. I, I from the very beginning, I had fun doing the show, but the first time where it felt. Like the rails had completely come off and it was exciting because we had absolutely no idea what was going to happen was the limbo jump episodes right. mm -hmm. and the galactopoid. And I remember people around the table getting nervous because there was no longer a plot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Every time you roll the dice, we wound up somewhere else right. and it was possible that we were never going to get the correct role. And we had to continuously come up with new environments for us to be in with every role. And in terms of recording an entertainment for people to listen to, there was sort of the fear in the back of your mind that this could go on forever. Like, how do we edit this down and keep it entertaining? But uh, eh, I was just having... Way too much fun to even care. Is everyone okay back there? Hey, give me your hand. Give me your hand. All right, all right take my hand. And now, the thinking. thinking. There is so much riding on this roll. Thinking. 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 Not knowing how this is going to work. Dear Lord in heaven, how large is this being? Eight. You enter limbo, but with a cost. You end up in a different location or plane. What were the options? Different? You are unable to exit limbo for 10 minutes while you recharge. You're sort of in limbo. Okay, so I'm going to say... Um, dear Lord. I need to read this. <laughs> We broke the game! <laughs> we <laughs> broke the game! Carter broke the, broke the game again. <laughs> we broke the game! I'm trying to remember, when was the first time, does anyone remember, what are some of the first times where we broke the mold of how all RPGs happen? Because the general rule in RPGs is that me, as the GM, I will set the scene and then I play all the NPCs. That's just a general rule in mm -hmm. most games. Does anybody remember one of the first times one of you stepped in as an NPC and started the, to play them? In the kitchen, Mies contributed as ingredients. Oh, yeah, the carrot or something I called like you that. a carrot. Or a strawberry. Maybe Carter was carrot. the strawberry. Uh, you, you, you were wearing, I, I think you were wearing an orange shirt yeah. or something oh, like that. I, I did not reach for it. Uh, but you started jumping in with that. And then it just continued to descend into chaos. <laughs> All right, so that was fun. Maybe, you know, I should go, though, and have a nap and try and recover from, because, you know, this it's been a lot of baking. We've had a lot of dancing. It's been a lot of fun. 
But you know, you need to take a break so you know when you're having fun. And the mixing bowl is like, maybe you should just lay down in here. Just put your head down while we sing and dance. That sounds lovely, but I'm not sure that I'll be able to get too much sleep with everyone singing and dancing. Um, so why is that carrot so noisy? It keeps coming in. So uh, one of the little cakes jumps right in your mouth, and it's like, it's like, and they're all running around and screaming and yelling, and that's when you suddenly wake up. In subsequent kitchen visits, more of you jumped in as as different ingredients and, and implements. Yeah. Like, I'm remembering there were some games we played where it was... We had to play NPCs. Like the, the so one of them was when Blatt was going door to door to convert everyone to mm-hmm. Celine, and we had written down a list of potential places and we would roll the die, and then we knew Blatt was Blatt, but none of us knew who was going to play what. So Blatt would just I would set up the scene. Blatt would knock on the door, and one of us would answer. Yeah, and I love that that one went around the table. That was that was the first time when everyone at the table took a turn actually doing the narration. Blatt stands in front of a door of a homey-looking cottage. Uh, some really delectable smells coming out of it. Uh, it's it's a sweet-looking cottage with shutters and uh, and uh, and a very homey feel to it. And he knocks on the door. And uh, a middle-aged woman bustles over, opens it, and welcomes him in. Well, hello there. Welcome to Brenda's kitchen. Oh, my goodness, another visitor here to feed his stomach and his soul. Come on in, come on in. Uh, I'm sorry, are you, are you Brenda? Oh, I am Brenda indeed. Uh, Who might you be? Well, I'm, I'm sorry, I just thought this was a house of worship. Uh, my <gasps> name is Blatt. Oh, uh, it is a house of worship. Oh, oh, good, oh, good. Oh, it's true. It's where many people come to worship my soup and my biscuits and, well, me, actually. But that's when we really doubled down on playing NPCs. That's when we really said, okay, we can just do this. It's not a big deal anymore. Well, because it's from that episode then moving forward, that's when it just became a regular part. Yeah. So that's when we open up on the small town somewhere and uh, there's the the what-you-call-it guy with the sign. Oh, the census Census taker. Yes, census taker. Yeah, and I like I know this a lot now. A lot of times the table will just step in at a moment where, you know, the scene just needs that amp, that push. Um, like we're very quick to just bring in a character. But one of my favorite moments when that happened was when I was struggling and I was we were disconnected as a party and half the party was trying to get back to Blatt. And I'm sitting here in my head just spinning. I was literally like, how do I connect the how do I get the party back? Like across continents to Fayville, to, to, there's no way. I was like, there's no way I'm gonna bring these, this party back together. And that's when we met. Hello. H- hello. Hello. H- hello. I'm in need of assistance. Well, we can't really assist much. We barely have anything to offer. You do not, you not have anything. Um, I have some mustard. Use the mustard. I will enjoy the mustard. I have not eaten in several days. 
Well, if you have some mustard, Lasbo to spare, I guess. Okay. Do you want sparkly, striped, or just plain mustard? Sparkly, striped. You must be some sort of wizard. Sparkly and striped huh. mustard. Yeah. I just know regular yellow mustard. <laughs> well, I wouldn't say I'm a wizard, but you know, I am working on it. You know. You're working to become a wizard. You're the most impressive people I've ever met. I am merely a humble portal salesman. Who didn't really solve the problem at all, as it turned out. <laughs> yeah, it didn't, didn't actually help, per se. Milo, you've talked about it before. What came into your head? Well, uh, beforehand, I remember the last time we'd recorded, I thought, like, I don't have voices in my repertoire. Like, all my characters basically sound the same. And I thought, well, we've certainly had a lot of English people. And I had done an Irish character, and I thought, well, I could do a really bad Austrian. So I had that. And then, yeah, the plot line was, how do we get the characters together? And I thought, well, we had portals established. So all I really knew going in was, I'm going to have a, a drunk Austrian <laughs> with the ability to have portals. And I thought for sure I was going to get shut down because I thought someone at the table would say, that's way too easy. He said, glancing to his right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, just that it's too easy. Like, uh, right. like portals are a hard thing to come by. And all of a sudden there's just this random moron who has portals. But everyone was like, no, it's fine. And as I recall, when we did that first scene, it was set up so we didn't know if you were actually going through a portal or if you were just running around. And Mies, you were, as Darcy, saying, well, he's still there. So then Carter had to kind of explain, did he go through a portal and end up on the other side of the tree? And it was a whole thing. Yeah, it was all offers. We didn't know, right? Yeah. Well, that's what was so clever about it is that I was waiting for Carter to make the final decision and then he threw it back at me by saying, no, I wanted to be on the other side of the tree and here I am. So, which is brilliant because you're like, well, it could work and maybe could. Yeah. And then I think I had to finally decide to buy in and say, yep, he disappeared and then go from there. Yeah. But the funny thing is, as strong as that scene was, my favorite portal salesman scene is the one with Egerton yes. and the portal salesman where I think you meet in the park so and I'm you have to make a portal together. <laughs> Oh, yeah, here's the branch. Oh, I got yeah. the branch. You strip it. Strip it. You strip it. Okay, can you- You can have you, to strip it good. Okay, can you pay, like lay down a, a fat beat for me while I do this? I kind I need to get into a rhythm. This is quite an unfortunate request, but I will certainly attempt to honor it. I feel right. that with your with your du ducal tones, <laughs> that it will be perfect for yeah, tree stripping. Yeah, I will do this for you. Okay. All right, here we go. <laughs> Oh yeah. Okay, that's that's tree stripping music, all right. Uh huh. Uh huh. Check it out. Check it out. Um, stripping Excuse the tree. What? Excuse what? Me, uh, what? Uh, you two rappers yeah. seen uh, anybody run past here? Uh, yes. A little old lady ran past the other direction. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry to interrupt. No, no problem. That was one of the weird ones. Okay, so we we get funny a lot. That's sort of our show. That's our thing. Um, I hope so. <laughs> what, Sometimes we don't. I thought this was a drama. <laughs> There's a couple touching moments. I want to talk about those. Blatt confessing his love. 
Not, not was, the one I was thinking yeah, that of. That wasn't no. touching at all. No, 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 Just no. very, very awkward. No, the part where Egerton almost dies is the one that's the touching one. Oh, well, did die. Yes, that's true. We never resolved if Egerton actually died or just got knocked unconscious. I prefer to think that he died and had an experience. Yeah, but he also thinks that he can fly. And maybe he can. Maybe he can. I think uh, if you listen to Blatt, Carter played Blatt in this scene here, I think Blatt sells that Egerton died. Come on, get your pouch open. It's nothing that a fairy cake can't fix. I, 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 I can't find it. I think it might have fallen off. Um, but I, I just, uh, it's kind of scary and dark in here. Um, so if you could just, you know, be glad again for a few minutes. Man, I do love filing. And shirts. <laughs> and I'm in love with Darcy. And I don't think she loves me. Probably because she's in love with you. Because you're a general. That checks out. All we gotta do is find you a nice big hat. But first... We're going to find that fairy cake satchel. After a few minutes, Blatt realizes that it must be on the other side of the rubble. Well, I don't know if this jar of mustard's going to help. It's all I can find. I think it's got sparkles in it. Come on, Eggsy. Just take a little bit from the jar. Eggsy? Oh, what have I done? <laughs> okay. Oh, God. Oh, God. So, oh, God. Black one. I remember recording that. Carter looking at me while doing the. Oh no. Yeah. And it just, it was a very like, oh. Yeah. It was sad. Yeah. It was sad. And then I got yelled at for like three weeks. <laughs> well, we had given you a note. You had asked me to be more emotional. <laughs> and your response was to kill yourself. I didn't kill myself. I died as a result of Blatt's actions. Oh, very good. Mm-hmm. Always blame the guy with the bazooka. Yeah. Who blew up the cave we were in. <laughs> so there's a moment we haven't talked about. The moment where Blatt chose his power. So Blatt has a soul-bound weapon. It's been staring at you from the character sheet. This is the power that you're going to have. Yeah. And so we're using improv. So one of the things that we were doing early on, the improv, um, like we were still finding our footing as a group. But like the, I would basically, as a GM, I would just pause and wait for someone at the table to say something. And yeah, you were screaming at me, call your weapon. And Blatt's freaking out. He doesn't know that he has this ability. Then he doesn't know what sort of weapon uh, to call. And in the moment, I don't know what I'm going to choose. But I do know that my character is from the future. And he's being asked to create a weapon. So if this was a character from 
a Middle Ages period, he would call for a sword or a spear or a mace or All the sounds that. that Eli had purchased in preparation for this. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. <laughs> but I thought, well, this is a guy from, I would say, Balgamar when we were playing. It was probably like the 20th century. Yeah, there's robotic centurions. Yeah. And I thought, well, what would be a handy weapon for one individual to have in a D&D world? Call your weapon. Call my weapon. I, you didn't call your weapon. I, and he roars and he bends down and he leaps. Like you've never seen anything like it. He's, you're pretty high up and you see him just, he just launches towards you like the Hulk, a red Hulk flying at you. Your move. <laughs> so uh, Black closes his eyes and thinks really, really hard. Weapon, weapon, weapon weapon and just yells at the top of his lungs, Bazooka! <laughs> and you feel something happen, opening your eyes and you see he's just about to impact you and you feel this surge of energy and what appears in your hand, Blatt? I'm hoping instead of say, a Dalmatian, <laughs> it's a bazooka. <laughs> <laughs> Never give pimping power to an improver. <laughs> do okay. we even know what bazookas are? Well, we do now. Blat, you feel like it literally materializes out of the air, like in pieces. And you see the tube, you feel it, it pops right into your hand as if it's always been there. The trigger, you see the eyepiece pop up right in front of your face. And he is almost like you, you don't even see anything to target because there's just red in your view pin because he is like six feet away coming at a crazy speed right at you. I'm hoping that any bazooka that I come up with is easy to operate. Perhaps a one button bazooka. But there's a trigger under your finger. I'll squeeze that trigger as hard as I can. Now, what you don't hear in that scene is the death glare. <laughs> Someone did not think that was an appropriate choice. But again, to Sean's credit, when I said it, I thought, well, I'm just playing the reality of the scene as far as I could tell. It's a mm -hmm. person from the future being asked to choose a weapon. I thought Sean will immediately shoot this down. Never did. Mm. Yep. Well, the death glare was for me. <laughs> Not yes. from Sean, who thought it was a terrible idea right, because be I thought it was far too powerful. And indeed, it did prove to be far too powerful well, in many instances. Also, your argument at the time was you didn't think that the people, like say if Middle Earth was allowed to progress into modern times, you didn't think that the hobbits and the elves and all that would actually invent a bazooka. Exactly. I figure... They will have bazookas. <laughs> like orcs will create a bazooka eventually. They had bombs. Well, I was just yeah. I was just thinking about that. They've got the the guy who runs the gate with the, the bomb and blows it up. That's right. Yeah. Now, two towers? I have a segue with the bazooka thing and Sean being very good about accepting what's thrown to him. Me too. And um so I have surprisingly a favorite moment that at the time was not a favorite moment. Ooh. Ooh. And it's when sometimes Sean just throws out 
to the table, you know, give me an idea to start an episode. Just name anything. And Michael loves to name ridiculous things just for fun. And most of the time we say, no, come on, we're, we're not doing that. But this time he threw out flying alligators and Sean – out of, this, spite. out of spite. Out of spite. Because we were off this the suggestion. Top. That was off the top right. of the episode. And Sean, even though I did not want him to take it, said, that's it. We're doing this. And I remember thinking, even when we were doing it, this is the dumbest scene. I can't believe we're going to put this out there. I can't believe we're doing this. We should have redone it. But you know what? When I listen to that scene all done, I love that scene. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. So here's the funny thing. I was going to make the same segue. Yeah. And talk about that scene uh, because some, most of the time, yeah, it's, it's, you're supposed to just top of your head, tell me a color. You don't think about it. You just say the first color in your head. Yeah. So you say, ah, uh, who's going to be here? Top of my head, flying alligators. Yeah. Then Sean looks at me, goes, huh, <laughs> flying alligators it is. I said, no, I, you know, you don't need to do it. And he said, no, we're doing it. Wait, who are you? I am Steve. And I am Bob. We are the flying alligators. Talking about? I don't know. They're flying alligators. Oh God! I'm just gonna stand behind you if that's okay, Darcy. Glasgow, well, do you know these flying alligators? Oh, well, yes, that one's Steve. I believe that one is Bob. No, I mean, no, no. I'm Bob. He's Steve. Sorry. Yeah. No, that one is Bob. Did you know them before? Today? No. They just showed up in the garden. They they were trying to find you. Yeah, we're here to collect someone for a scientific experiment. Uh, we're looking for a, um, oh, what was the name again? Oh, yeah, it's Darwin. We're looking for a Darwin. No, that's not me. Oh, no? No. Oh, well, we are so embarrassed. Um, here, well, here, here's a couple of gold pieces for the garden. Um, oh, thank you. You're welcome. Uh, okay, well, we'll just head out. And uh, have any of you heard of a Darwin? No, no, sorry. Uh, no. Well, no. maybe but- we're on the wrong continuum. Again, that happens from time to time. No, yeah, no big deal. But wait, wait. What? If you fly, mm-hmm. uh, do you sometimes take passengers to go long distances? What, what are you saying? Well, I don't know. Couldn't they help us get to where I need to go, which is back to Celine's castle? Oh, right. right the castle. Wait, wait. Did you say Celine? Yes, the goddess of the moon. Okay, we're out. Um, what, no. But, but, why? We're not messing with Celine. She's the goddess of the moon. She's powerful. Well, she's not that powerful, is she? She turned us into flying alligators, so I'd say, yeah, she's pretty damn powerful. You make a good point. That's a good point. That is a good point. Uh-huh. I get that with, with uh, like, Sean will often ask for, give me demon names or something like that. And I'll be trying to come up with three alternatives, and Sean will just grab the first one. Okay, so... I want to talk about that before I go to my segue. So there is a very, probably one of our other touching, powerful moments. Everyone, everyone had seen our power at our table. like, And everyone was asking, what's up with Darcy? They were all trying to figure out what's up with Darcy. And we had been talking about at our table, like, when are we going to have Darcy show what she is? But she has to be under extreme stress. And so I twisted a scene until I separated Darcy from the party. Mm-hmm. And I set it all up. Literally an hour prior to this moment, I texted Eli and I said, send me seven names of slod, the slod, right? These red giant, they're they're larger than human. They're frog-like with really long arms and sharp claws. We've grown to love them, of course. And he sent me five names and I literally just wrote them down in order and I'd been going down the list in order. And when Marisa was trapped 
under the dais. The, the dais. 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 And it's her and a slot that's coming for her. I am to battle you, little one. Uh, why? Sorry, why am I battling anyone? I, I'm not a chosen one or anything. State your name for the battle. Well, I can state my name. I'd rather not be in battle, though. It's Darcy. I'm Darcy Kimball. I just want to go back up to my friends up the stairs. Darcy, battle accepted. I am Waffles. <laughs> okay, flag on the play. <laughs> if you want to maintain mood, nah, his name can't be Waffles. Can't be I'm waffles. sorry. I did not make up the names. <laughs> I asked Eli for the names. He gave me waffles. <laughs> no, you're going to ruin Darcy's moment. Now pass me tissues. And the funny thing about all this is after it all went down and we met waffles for the first time, Eli couldn't stop laughing. He was crying because it turned out it was a, it was an autocorrect. He had not sent me waffles the slod. You had sent me, do you even remember anymore? He'd sent me something else and it had been autocorrected into waffles. Not not a clue. Like uh, waffle. It, it, it had you tried to correct it to to something a little more who? demony sounding. You say Car- you, who? Car- Carter did, uh, but you don't remember what it was originally. No. Okay, so it was basically an autocorrect that gave us waffles, which I still think when I listen back, it's one of my favorite moments. One of my favorite moments from recent. And now you just read it like thinking, well, that's odd. It's like no, his name's Waffles. Yep. I looked down at the list. I'm like, and I, was, I part of me was gleeful. I was like, <laughs> oh yeah, that's perfect. For this moment. Oh, it's a very memorable moment. Yeah. Well, likewise, um, I deliberately put Helen in the list of, of slod names because it, it it kind of sounds like it's got the right kind of consonants in it and everything. It just happens to line up with a, a modern day human name. Helen is fun. Helen is my favorite. She makes the best sandwiches. The best. Okay. So uh, let's talk about uh, early on. Uh, it became very apparent that of the three adventurers, two of them were pretty much incompetent. And there was one, Darcy, who basically keeps everything on track. Like when it comes to the like the actual like what you're supposed to accomplish in the world, like saving time, humorously, doesn't quite end up that way in the end. But um, does anybody have any moments where where like Darcy got us back on track? All of them. <laughs> I mean, like, when you ask that question, the thing that comes into my head is not when did Darcy get us on track. It's when you put me in charge of keeping us on track for an episode. And when did I ever do that? Candy World. Mm-hmm. Okay. Classic point. <laughs> <laughs> I will concede the point. Um, but that's what happens when Darcy isn't in charge. Because one of the one of the basic things of the show is that Egerton always believes he's in charge. Mm-hmm. Right. And I don't think there was, until Candy World, I don't think there was a place where he actually was. No, no. There's, I think we've talked about this before. It's a classic Three Stooges setup. So Darcy's Mo, who is the leader of the group. Egerton is Curly, who is the group's idiot. And then depending upon what storyline you're in, in purpose of the plot, Vlad is the Larry, who either sides with Mo. Or sides with Curly, depending upon the situation. Right. And that's that's the deep thinking concept of this show. And what's interesting is that 
when I when I created Darcy in the very early days, this just shows the evolution of working with your colleagues. Now it goes. I wanted she was very emo. I wanted her to be really kind of she didn't care about anything mm-hmm. and just gonna sit back and be like, whatever, whatever happens, happens. I quickly realized that if I doubled down on that, nothing was ever going to advance <laughs> in this plot because Carter and Mike just love to go on tangential adventures mm-hmm. and I always have to rein it in. And if I didn't take on that role, I think it would just go a little too far off, uh, off topic, I think. But sometimes I resent having to take on that role. Yep. Sometimes Darcy rebels. One of my... Favorite tangents of Blatt and Egerton involved three words. My friend, I assure you, this is not old Tybeville. We're not in a theme park. We are in the past. Here's a test. And they have to be shouting. Here's how I know this. Long live Boltius. Long live Boltius. Yes, long live Boltius. Long live Boltius. Yes, long live Boltius. But there's... Long live Boltius. Yes, long live Boltius. But my point is no one else here knows who Boltius is because Boltius isn't alive. The emperor's not alive? No. What did you do to him? I I didn't do it. He hasn't been born yet. His descent... Uh, ancestors. It, nothing is... There's no Boltius! Long live Boltius! No, yes, long live Boltius, except Boltius can't live long because Boltius hasn't been born yet. Then how did he win the war? That has that very kind of vaudeville feel to it of two goobers that just don't connect. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was early on. Like, this is like you guys had recently met. That right? was episode two. Yeah, you you had just met, had just walked into the village together, and you're standing outside the, the training center. And all you had to do was walk inside, right? So there's the sound of the waterfall in the background, and it was a great bit. That was fun. Yeah, that's uh, that's when I knew that the show was going to work because the first episode nobody meets. Yeah, so Just we're set up. so we're two we're we're three separate characters who are all strong individually and could have scenes separate from one another. Okay, great. But we still didn't know whether or not we were going to mesh as a group. And that was a nice way to show that, yes, Egerton and Blatt can work together in that they can't work together. Like, they're two comedic opposites, and that works. Mm-hmm. But it, like Marisa said, doesn't advance plot very well. No. But they could have good seeds together. Yes. So that was a bit of a relief when I thought, yeah, Blatt and Egerton could actually have snappy banter together and that this might actually be a show, be a thing. Now, speaking of two goobers, uh, two of my favorite NPC characters are, and I can never remember if they're trolls or zombies, or the two ice zombies who were supposed to be guarding in the cave. So Blatt, dripping in sweat tiptoes over and places a pointed ear against the wall. I got three of clubs. <laughs> so Beat I, that. I, I, I've got a, a full dungeon. Rust it. Well, you, that's why you don't bet your scabbard unless you're willing to lose it, man. You're cheating again. I'm not cheating. You just don't know the rules. Look, I've got a two, a crown, 
an anchor, and a three. That's a full dungeon. I'm done with this game. Well, give me your scabbard and go back to your mama. Fine. Here's my scabbard. Thank you. I'm going to put it up here on the wall. It's empty anyways. <gasps> you cheat. Huh, you didn't say the sword in it. Well, it's implied. You don't say, hey, give me all of your coin purses and then be like, but first empty them of coins. No, no. You just give people the coin purse. You didn't ask for my coin purse. You asked for my scabbard. It's an analogy, damn it. Oh, you and your whatever's. Okay, I'll say it again. A metaphor is comparing two different things. Right. A simile is comparing two different things using like or as. Well, that's the same thing. I don't understand. One of them is more specific than the other. You know what? We're fighting this one out again. Here Bring it goes. It! Table flip. Ah! <laughs> Are you okay? I'm good. I'm good. Okay. I don't, Let me know something. when you're ready to fight. Okay. That was fun to do, and I still don't know if there are zombies or trolls either. I know. I think it was like originally someone said zombies. Yeah, Sean, you you had started it off as zombies, and then somehow it got back to trolls. As often happens in our show. But they can be both, because a troll can die and be a zombie. Exactly. And so basically those those went on to they went on to play quite a role and introduced us to Mumsy who comes back later. Mm-hmm. They were beloved. They were. I didn't want those two to expire. <laughs> yeah. So okay, so this has sort of been a fun retrospective of some of our favorite moments. For anyone who's just joining and is like, hey, this sounds really cool. I want to go back and listen, please do. Uh uh, all the shows are of a really high caliber. There's amazing sound, sound design, uh, improv happening all the way through. Though I think we definitely grew and changed how we were doing improv mm-hmm. as we, we went. We didn't record 38 episodes for you not to listen to them. Right. But let's say you want to start here and go into a, the second arc. What do people need to know in order to start listening to the second arc? I can do this. Okay. Three different people. Same time, it's the future. Farlorio, Alba Salix, Axe and Crown. Then they got brought back by some people working at a place called the Nexus, which exists outside of time. Moira's in charge there. And there's someone named Strand Jenkins that we all really miss. Let's hear Strand Jenkins right now. Ma, this is a big file you have here, Dasa. You've been up to quite a bit, I see. That was great, Sean. So then we... um. Go out on some of these missions. No, wait, wait, wait. Well, who are these three people? You just said three people. Oh, yeah. It's it's Egerton, the flightless fairy. Yeah. Blatz, the half-demon file clerk. Yeah. And Darcy, the werecupine uh, uh, cl- Cafeteria cleric. worker. Oh, Cafeteria yeah, worker. Yes. Yeah. Cafeteria um, worker cleric. Okay. Yeah. They get brought up to this place called the Nexus where they start training. And this is back in time. <laughs> this is outside of time, I think. Okay. Technically. Um, they go out on missions. They do not go well. Uh, and the, there's this bad guy called the shattering. Who's not a bad guy. He's just a thing. Yeah. It's a I, thing. I'm in this show and I'm hopelessly confused. <laughs> and it's trying to end time and there's a bomb and we do something and then Darcy blows up the Nexus. Okay, hold on. What, dear Lord. Uh, really? I've got it. Okay. So there are three characters, a flightless fairy, a half demon, filing clerk, and a transforming cafeteria cleric who are brought back in time 
right, to a world where they are introduced to their powers through a series of events. Right? This is They're, more or less what I was saying. Yes, no. it was. <laughs> they then meet. Uh, they find out about a prophecy. They uh, a lot of things go wrong constantly. They're trying to go into story verses to correct them from corruption by this force called a shattering. Somehow, through all of this, they manage to basically unleash an ancient god in the world who takes over Blatt's body and he starts talking like Batman for the next, right, 10, 12, 13, 14 episodes. I believe it was Blatman. Blatman, thank you. Uh, at some point in all of this, uh, they manage to upset a major god who runs the Fae. Uh, Blatt manages to get Morugu out of him. Uh, Egerton dies. Mm -hmm. They get two of the gods fighting on the moon. Yep. They destroy Temple Idris, and then Marisa unleashes no, that the was shattering inside the That was the before Nexus. they fought on the moon. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Three characters, Darcy, Egerton, and Blatt, are brought back in time to stop the end of time. They fail. They move on. Here is arc two. Darcy bringing it like always. Really? Yeah. Mm. There are demons now. Okay, bonus favorite moment, pirate scene, play it. So, perhaps then the moon would be Perhaps the most important thing ever to you? The most important thing ever to me after my rum and my freedom is gold. And that's why we're seeking the glory of the Golden Gate. But you haven't found the Golden Gate yet, have you? Well, not per se. I, we found plenty of gold and we found some gates and, well, I found a bit of glory. But no, we, we haven't exactly found uh, the gates of the Golden Glory. No. Well, how do you know that the Golden Gate isn't on the moon? How, per se, would we get our ship up to the moon? Ah, well, that very question will be answered by the representatives from your new religion. Selene, goddess of the moon. Isn't that you? Damn it. Ah, uh, yes, that would be me. Um... <laughs> Yer, I dropped my <laughs> scabbard down these sheer stairs. Oh, I got it, Captain. Thank, Here you go. Thank you there, Lieutenant. I've got my eye on you. Just next time, be more careful when we're doing something inappropriate and difficult to edit out. I've got a firm <laughs> grip on your scabbard, Captain. <laughs> this one's gone a bit off the rails, Savvy. Hi, Captain. Okay. So you two seem to have a whole lot going on. <laughs> a Fable and Folly production. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. After all this time... What time is it again? I feel like the clock stopped. Time was a tennis ball we could bat round the court. Time for distraction too. Time to just sink to the bottom. Time to get to the meat of this meat. Time for Greater Boston Season 4. That's right, on September 13th, Greater Boston returns with new full-length episodes released every other Tuesday. And we're 
so excited for you to hear it. But also, it's been three years since our last season wrap, so we're maybe a little worried that people might have forgotten about us. So we're asking for you to help spread the word. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your coworkers and classmates, tell your cat, tell your local subway busker. But politely and without interrupting their performance, point is... Now is a good time to share your love for Greater Boston on Twitter and Tumblr and Instagram and TikTok and wherever else you, you know, post things. Then come back on September 13th when Greater Boston Season 4 officially begins.